शहनाज की नंगी तस्वीर का पैम्फलेट जैदी मरहूम ने छपवाया था The one woman who Shanaz Gul has been compared to is Christine Keeler. What does Shanaz Gul of Pakistan have to do with Christine Keeler, the woman at the center of the Proforma scandal in the UK in the 1960s? And why did Pakistanis know so much about Ms Keeler? What was the reason Mustafa Zaidi dubbed Shanaz, the woman he loved and wrote poems for, Christine Keeler? For those of you who've seen the Netflix show The Crown, Perhaps the story isn't new, but we're going to recap it anyway. In 1961, Christine Keeler was a young woman who was living in London, and that's where she met the osteopath Stephen Ward. Through Ward, she ended up at a party on the estate of Cliveden, and that's where she met the British politician John Proforma. Christine Keeler and John Proforma had an affair, but Keeler was also seeing a Russian naval attaché at this time. And when it eventually emerged that Profuma had had an affair, and the woman he'd slept with was also seeing a Russian official, it became a national security issue in Britain. Profuma eventually had to resign, but in the midst of all of this, Ward, the osteopath who had been the one to introduce Keeler to John Profuma in the first place, ended up being charged with vice. He was essentially accused of being Christine Keeler's pimp. Stephen Ward ended up killing himself before the verdict was handed down. The Daily Mail, the right-wing British tabloid, still essentially accuses Ward of procuring women for the establishment in the United Kingdom. And Keeler, in the end, became an incredibly notorious figure, a woman who had slept with influential men, and well, the rest was up to feverish imagination and speculation. As the Observer wrote recently, rumors abounded about other ministers, duchesses, film stars, royals, during a heady summer of titillation. If all this sounds familiar, it's exactly the kind of environment that would emerge when Shanaz Gul was found in Mustafa's house. But I compare Shanaz, who was all the way in Karachi, to Keeler. The person to thank for this is none other than Mustafa Zaidi, whose flyers, the same ones he had printed in Karachi at the Bond Printing Press, said that Shanaz was Pakistan's Keeler. You may wonder who in Pakistan would even understand the relevance of this scandal that had happened a decade ago. in another country turns out lots of people would because at the same party that Keela met John Profumo and the infamous swing pool she also met someone else Pakistan's president Field Marshal Ayub Khan the guest of honor so what happened when it turned out that Ayub Khan had been at the same party that Christine Keeler was at well when the Profumo scandal emerged and it turned out that Ayub Khan was also present at the party There were very there were a lot of durid descriptions in the press. Also, for example, in the News of the World, Miss Keeler came out and basically said President Ayub of Pakistan was one of the guests at the party at Cliveden. I like the president as he was more English than the English. 
He was. I love a, that compliment. It's the thing that I think Pakistani men aspire to. Dabaid gets better. According to Keeler, she said, he was a real man, husky sort, and incredibly virile for his age. He was a wonderful swimmer and perhaps, I shouldn't say this, but I tried to keep as close to him in the water as I could during the fun and games. Small wonder that in the heat of the game, he grabbed me by the legs and down I went. Didn't Christine Keeter then give like a lot of tell-all interviews where I guess she was just asked about all these things and ended up making these stories way more salacious than they actually would be? I think she did. But I also feel like there was a lot of truth in all of this. Like it was coming out. She was also a young girl. She didn't really know what to do with all the press and limelight that she was getting. Plus, I think for Ayub Khan, the tension also got a little awkward because, you know, he's the president of a country. He has a certain image. Any Pakistani community at that time was, I would say, we didn't really have scandals like that. Certainly not involving the president, a swimming Mm -hmm. pool and a political scandal. Exactly. And then later on as well, there were other people who corroborated this account that Ayub was there. For example, in 2013, Viscount Astor, who was nine at the time that this party even happened at Cliveden, the Evening Standard said that he had told Andrew Lloyd Webber, the composer, that a lot of people think Profumo spotted Christine Keeler swimming naked in the pool, but he didn't. In fact, he went to Stephen Ward's cottage and got her number. But the man who did see Christine Keeler swimming topless was, drumroll, President of Yukon, Pakistan. Viscount Astor did have to say that while Ward wasn't a nice man, he wasn't a pimp. As depicted in the BBC series on Christine Keeter's life, Ward was much more complicated than this image of him as being a man Mm -hmm. who was just procuring women for influential people. Well, Saba, we also had a very interesting conversation with Dr. Aisha Sadiqa, which I think really did shed more light into how the scandal was handled in Pakistan. Uh, Absolutely. So Dr. Aisha Sadiqa is a scholar and author most well known for her incredible book on the Pakistani military called Military Inc. Dr. Sadiqa has seen the documents in the British archives, which uh, were about the allegations of Ayub Khan's involvement in the Profumo affair. And Mm -hmm. that was really about the mentions that Ayub Khan was at this party, which ended up being in the press, obviously. And one of the documents that Dr. Sadiqa has seen and that are available in the British archives, which we cannot access because they're all the way in another country, involves an exchange between the Pakistani diplomat who was at the High Commission and a reporter from News on the World. Mm -hmm. And it shows the extent to which the Pakistani government was trying to control the media. So what did Dr. Sadiqa tell us? There there were a couple of quotes uh, from what she told us that really stood out for me. One of the things that's in the file is that the Pakistani authorities really appeared quite anxious to play down the affair. I also found it really interesting because when we actually went to look up these things in the archives, we didn't actually find that much on Ayub Khan and Christine Keeler. There were a couple of articles But I would assume that given the magnanimity of the scandal in the UK and the Yukon's involvement, there would be more coverage. But it was very one-sided. Obviously, the government was trying to set a narrative. And remember, Dawn was very pro-establishment. Exactly. For many years. Exactly. So I think that was what I found really interesting because... It's such a big scandal. How come there's no... What did eventually happen is that there were lots of stories about Christine Keeler. Hurriyat and Jang also published full-page spreads. These little sort of snippets of Ayub Khan being present at the party or of his mention in the press in the UK came out in Pakistan as well. For example, the Sunday Telegraph, which had a headline called Keeler Row in Pakistan. The story was basically flying from Rawalpindi and claimed that Christine Keeler's name reverberated during the past week in the National Assembly debate. Several members charged Lieutenant General Yusuf, Pakistan's High Commissioner in London, for defaming President Ayub by deliberately taking him to the Cliveden party. Another thing that happened is that when the budget was presented in the National Assembly, there was an extensive debate. And quite often, 
members of the National Assembly would mention the Profumo scandal, not in the same context. Sometimes they would say it's very sorrowful that Pakistan's name has been brought into this or that this is up in the press. But sometimes they would use the Profumo scandal to talk about politicians lying. A member of the National Assembly talked about this. Sir, the recent past has been very much full of talks of corruption in high offices. And if it is allowed to increase in volume and dimension, I think in some near future, it may even affect this explorer of space when they perhaps come out next time jointly. You can tell, beginning from the Profumo Christine Keeler scandal, even touching our country also. And I regret very much to say that there are deliberate attempts to entangle the fair name of Pakistan into the scandal. We are coming across one shady deal after another. And it bears that in the long list of shady and suspicious deals in which public indulge mostly in whispers in the absence of any correct information. Wow. It sounds incredibly like we're reading something in 2022, mm-hmm. not in 1962. Right? It was really important to remember that people had heard of other people sleeping with each other, having affairs and these things, but there wasn't anything in the press. And especially something this scandalous, imagine like, Someone swimming naked with the president, which is very unheard of. The fact that there were so many mentions of this affair in the press, I'm sure, was very uncomfortable for the AU regime at the time. Eventually, though, nothing really happened to a part in connection with the Pufomo affair. But here's another thing to remember. Members of the civil service and the government had close ties still with the UK. British political news was prominent in local newspapers. Civil service officers trained in or visited the UK, including Mustafa. If nothing, one could assume that at the very least, the country's elite knew of the Pufomo affair and a woman called Christine Keeler. Precisely, you might say, the kind of audience that would see a flyer with Shanaz's face on it. I understand this too. Was a woman sleeping with the rich and the influential? That high society got up to all sorts of things, and so did the establishment. And hence, Mustafa Zedi, the truth teller, would tell his audience what would happen. And how was Mustafa going to tell this truth in a pamphlet where he called Shanaz Gul the Christine Keeler of Pakistan? I guess so. But somehow we know that while he had the pamphlets printed, he never distributed them. So he clearly suspected Shanaz to be sleeping around for influence, much mm-hmm. like Christine Keeler. And then he had gone to all of these lengths to have the flyer printed, first to have it typeset, then printed and brought home and have hundreds of copies made. And then he never distributed it. Yep. Even though he did show it to a couple of people. He did. People knew it was there. That's the amazing thing, right? No one has seen this flyer. But the suggestion of the flyer was enough to make people believe this theory. Like when we started working three years ago on this story, what was the first thing people said to us? She was Pakistan's Christine Keeler. Yeah. Like literally, there's no proof that Shanaz has had an affair with anyone beyond Mustafa. There's no proof that she was like sleeping with people for influence or that anyone really gained from this. Not at all. And not, and certainly not in this way that she clearly wasn't sleeping with like high-flying or mm-hmm. high-ranking influential people, let's say Christine Keeler was. And we yet, actually like, don't know if she was actually doing anything that was similar to what Christine Keeler was doing. The popular culture comparison just made mm-hmm. people believe this. But there's also another angle to this, Tubal. There are a lot of people we've talked to who have essentially said that Shanaz was either flirting or sleeping around with men so that it would benefit her husband's career some way. Yes, a lot of people have said that. And a lot of people have also, well, suggested that because Shanaz's husband was so much older than she was, that he looked the other way when she would indulge in a relationship with someone. Yeah, but that's a different thing, right? One's looking the other way and one's actually encouraging or asking your wife to, to do this for you. I feel like even her husband's character or personality, whatever, like when we asked, some people have said he's been very, he's a very nice man. He was too sweet. 
wouldn't he didn't really push and ask for these things a lot of people have said he's very conniving and that he did push her for this and that is actually how Shahnaz met Mustafa because she'd gone to ask for a favor for her husband. Yeah, there's also this quote by Salim, right? At some point where he says that this is what happened in high society. Like yeah. you went out and you met men and women and it was not considered strange to be talking mm-hmm. to another man. And it's quite possible because Shahnaz was an outsider into high society that people assumed that the only reason she could be talking to a man was because there was some financial interest behind it. Of course, it. also, like, I think the important thing to remember is that the elite is very... Uh, incestuous. The, yes, incestuous. In married. We have a, a treat to show that. But I also feel like they're very judgmental. I feel like with Shanaz and Salim, the one thing that has been clarified for me over our years of research and work is that initially I thought they were high society, but they actually weren't. Because even high society has so many layers they were at the periphery of high society. They were trying to get in. They were trying to make their way in. So while they knew everyone, they were friends with them. They weren't it. They weren't like they weren't like your Jackie Munir. I think that also like really impacts the kind of people that she hung out with, the kind of reputation she garnered. And there are so many other people Sabah, that we've interviewed who mentioned a lot of other women. Like a lot of people when they speak about women from the sixties and seventies, they imply that oh they started off as prostitutes. And they slept their way up into high society. They were swinging. Part of the key club. Yeah, the part of the key club. Or she was like his third or fourth wife. And then she became someone else's third or fourth wife. She was his third or fourth wife and having an affair with someone else. And then I think the best thing we heard was, oh, but she also had a child with him while she was married to someone else. I feel like society is really judgmental about these things. And I feel like one of the reasons that Shanaz really suffered or her reputation suffered is because people already had a preconceived notion of who she was. They were like, okay, she's young. She's from a small town in Punjab. She's married to a rich guy. She's obviously a gold digger and obviously a social. She's obviously going to be pushing for this kind of thing. And her husband is pushing her to flirt with other men to get his work done. So I feel like she suffered because of that. And when this Mustafa Zaidi scandal came out, it just got worse. So over the last few weeks and months, many people oh, have asked years. us about this flyer. They've asked us if we've seen it. What does it look like? We've never seen it. We are hoping very much that someone will give us a copy at some point. We have read a lot of descriptions of it. We know it was presented in court when Chanaz was standing trial. But what we do know is that the flyer was printed in Karachi and it was printed at the Bond printing press. We also know that Jamshed Qureshi, who founded the Bond advertising agency in 1965, was interviewed by the police in connection with the case. So did the Bond advertising agency people own a press also called Bond? Well, Sabai, it wasn't a big press, but they did own one, which was basically used to compose their own material. Because in those days, the printing used to be all be done in Pakistan chalk. So in order to avoid the delays or like the traffic or whatever, they actually just opened up a small printing press with, I think, two machines near the advertising agency in PCHS. We also know that Mustafa's connection to whoever owned the press was through a friend. Yes. And when we spoke to Mr. Jamshed Qureshi in 2020, he didn't really clearly comment on our questions about whether it was the same press that had printed the flyers. When the police officer, Abdul Rashid Khan, who had been one of the investigators in the case, testified, he said he had interviewed a Jamshed Qureshi, owner of the press, where the pamphlet was printed. Mm-hmm. We've since reached out to Mr. Qureshi to ask him more direct questions about this press. We've yet to hear back. But it seems very coincidental. It does. When we were going through the case file ourselves, I think we were just like, Bond Printing Press, Jamshed Qureshi. Bond Advertising, Jamshed Qureshi. It was just like, does it make sense? Even the location is so similar. It is where the old office was. But yeah, I would love to talk to Mr. Qureshi again to like 
see if you can tell us more details. But till then, you can stop. What we do know is that actually no one in the press and even the manager of the press didn't know what Mustafa was printing because it was a surprise when he took the material out of his bag and it ended up having photos of a woman in the nude. And that's why the employees complained. We also don't know if Mustafa knew Jamshed Qureshi directly. We have reason to believe that he did. But without having confirmed this from Mr. Qureshi, it's really quite hard to tell. Let's go back to Mustafa's decision to print this flyer. Can you imagine what would have happened if he had gone and started distributing it? I can imagine. I can imagine just how bad it would be if he had actually gone and distributed it. To me, it would be like something out of Bridgerton. Where the scandal sheet goes out, he would give it to the newspaper boys to distribute it in all the houses. Because that is the quickest way of getting it out. Mustafa would have been charged with a crime. Would he? Was there anything against indecency at that time where he would have been charged with this? Sure, for immorality. What if no one could trace it back to Mustafa? I think it's quite obvious in the contents, right, that Mustafa did it. Yeah, but what if he just... Mustafa still had some pretty powerful friends. Like, what would have happened? I think he would have gotten away with it. I don't think he would have had to stuff for anything. And later on as well, after this, there's also another story where another socialite's photos are leaked. But again, they're not distributed on the streets in a flyer in the same way. Ultimately, does it even matter that Mustafa didn't distribute this? He did as much damage anyway. I think he did as much damage anyway. Like, it wouldn't have made a difference if he distributed them. Sure, it would have been more scandalous. But, like, the damage was done. Like, the police saw the pamphlets. I'm sure people took pamphlets from the evidence as well. People in court saw it. The lawyers saw it. The judges saw it. Imagine, like, someone, like, putting out your photo, like, in the middle of court. Like, going, like, is this you? I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. But that's exactly what happened in the testimony. Is that people, like, said that this is the woman I recognize her from the fire. It's the same woman sitting in court today. Exactly. And, and they had a closed-door session, though, when they yeah, had the flyers well, out. Also, imagine all the people who were in court at that time. Do you think these people wouldn't have gone out and went, oh, yeah, I saw him. Oh, for sure. For sure. And we already know that there was a lot of, like, curiosity and people wanted to see the flyer and asked if they could get their hands on it somehow. Exactly. And not just the flyer, photos itself. And I think about it in terms of, like, revenge porn. I think it's very important because it is a thing that exists. And this is a very old case. So imagine this is happening in the 1970s. Imagine how many other people it could have happened. There was that Begum whose naked photos were leaked. There's Shanaz. Look at it now. And the really interesting thing is that eventually, while the photos were shown in court, it actually, when I asked one of the lawyers who had assisted in the prosecution, he said, like, why would the court consider this? Because the charge really was a murder charge. Also, it's about because he'd already written so many poems on Shanaz. I feel like because he had established their relationship. The new photos would not have actually, it might not have been a criminal activity or like he might not have been charged for it. Because already like he'd written, I mean, he pretty much said whatever the relationship Yeah, but it's one thing to say it and one thing, I think he would definitely have been charged with a crime for distributing it. Yeah, but, but yeah, like the really interesting thing is what happens afterwards, right? When Shanaz goes to Mustafa's house that day. Does she know that the flyers exist? Does she know that Mustafa's calling her Christine Keeler? I feel like she did. And does she want to get the flyers back? I feel like she did. I feel like she had an idea, maybe not of the pamphlets. I feel like maybe she definitely wanted her photos back. She did say that Mustafa called her, he was about to kill himself. And she wanted to go and make sure he was okay. But I do feel like she something, that he had something. Or like that there was something that still forced her hand. And I'm sure if she knew about those new photographs, that she would want to go get them back. Like, why would she want to leave them with someone who could clearly use it against her? Or maybe Sabah, when she got there, he showed her the back. Oh, can you imagine? But at the end of I the mean, day, Tuba, let's assume that she doesn't know about the photos, right? At this time. 
or the pamphlet. And then whatever we assume happened in that room, later on, it's quite easy to say that the reason she went to see him is because she wanted to collect the flyers. Yeah. Like you can say it after the fact, even if she didn't know it at the time. Yeah, but see, then I'm like, only thing that is flawed with that is why did she take them? She never took them. They weren't in her bag or anything, or they weren't. And there were too many also. How could she have even taken them single-handedly? Yeah. But then some of the other thing that confuses me a little is, why did he keep his pamphlets in the basement, like in the garage? We can imagine like you bring whatever, like there are what, 3,000 flyers? Like they don't fit in your room. And the rooms are tiny. We saw them. Sure. But why not just destroy them if you're not going to destroy them or use them? Like if, right. We'll never know. We, yeah, we will never know, unfortunately. But at least we'll know what the court thought and at least we'll know what people said about the flyers in court and we'll know how this played a role in the trial of Shana's girl. Yes, we will. I'm Sabine Tias. And I'm Diva Masood. Thank you very much for listening to the first season of Notes on a Scandal. If you're just joining us, this is season two of Notes on a Scandal, where we will be talking about the trial of Shanaskul and all of the events leading up to it, as well as what happened in court. You can follow us on Murder Mystery 70 on Instagram and also on our individual accounts on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Tabai Tuba. I'm Sabah Antias. The headlines that you heard in this episode were recorded by Mina Malek, a writer and poet in Lahore. In this season of Notes on a Scandal, this is murder. Capable of murdering someone. Murder. No. Murder weapon. Murder suicide theory. Murder charge. Try her for murder. Conspiracy that this was murdered. The murder of Mustafa Zaidi. Vera Zaidi gave a press conference on October 27, 1970. She hinted darkly at the possibility of murder and suggested that Mustafa was eliminated because he refused to be a party to a possible conspiracy against Pakistan.